Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Jerry Marzullo, and I am your uh, your Johnny Carson not like host of the AFFI podcast. This is uh, season one, episode one point five. Uh, which will make itself clear later because I screwed up the numbering system. We are here. I'm here with Luke Howison, who's the vice president of the Associated Firefighters of Illinois. Luke, how are you today? Hey, Jerry. How are you doing? Very good. And we are here in the best city in the world. It might not be Madison, Wisconsin. We'll get to that in a minute, but it is Chicago, Illinois. And we are here at Fire and Iron Media, uh, which is the host of a series of podcasts. Uh, big one being Chicago's Bravest. It's a fantastic podcast, and you can listen to that, of course, after you listen to ours. Uh, but you should check it out, and and uh, we'll we'll go from there. So today we are very very excited. This is a super special episode for us. We have on the other end of of this podcast recording with us. Basically, the 1985 Motley crew of individuals running for president of the, of the International Association of Firefighters, Malin Mitchell. Malin, how are you today? I'm good, brothers. Uh, thanks for having me. Fantastic. We are so excited for you to be here uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and in are you really excited, though? I am. We are really excited. Like it's, it's like a big deal, right? Because you say that. After- you say that with every guest. You probably every guest you have. You probably say, "I'm really excited to have this next guest here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding? You're like, only. Our, I want you to be. I want you to be ecstatic or something. Malin, not excited. Malin, you're only literally our second guest. It's you and Chuck Sullivan, my friend. So believe me, oh, okay. in, the, in, in the epic battle between you and Chuck Sullivan, it's it's over with. You win. Like life is good. So you know whatever. <laughs> uh, so, but we are because I, I have a funny feeling that uh, your life is about to get much busier. Um, in a little bit after the uh, national convention. Uh, We fully expect, by the way, that once that is over with, that we have complete and total access to you for future podcasts and that you make yourself available to us at our beck and call. I just wanted to say that really quickly. I I concur with that. All right. But you know, the actual vote won't be done until March 5th. Okay. Right. Well, we'll see you in March for the next one, for for episode 1.75. All right. So, um, it, it, man, look, you're running for, for president of the International Association of Firefighters, and that is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, but you have, uh, and, and again, so tell us a little bit about the background. Obviously, you're, you're a Madison firefighter, but as I understand it, you have some ties, some early ties to Illinois, and, and I think our listeners would be appreciative of that. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background? I do. Thank you, brother. Again, I am, I'm happy to be here. I am, I've been on the job for 24 years here in Madison, Wisconsin, but, uh, before coming to Madison and getting on the job here, I was actually living in Naperville, Illinois. Um, and I applied for every job in, in the Chicagoland area. And when I got hired, so when I did that, I was only 19 years old. I was working actually in Westmont at State Farm Insurance, the claim office. I applied even at the Westmont, and I just got hired actually at the Westmont uh, paid on call or volunteer department. Uh, applied there. Um, talked to, went and visited chief every week. Finally got so sick of me. He was going to hire me, but then I got hired in Madison and I got hired in Madison because, um, one day, one Sunday, looking at the, uh, the one ad, you know, the old Chicago, sometimes you turn the, turn the paper around and there's a sports page. So, you know, you get the paper, turn around and we used to read papers. Um, but one day Chicago or, uh, Madison, Wisconsin actually put in the paper, Looking for firefighters, must be only 18 to apply. Um, just a, a high school diploma. So I applied in Madison. I got hired for time's sake. 
you know, I, I actually was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but lived there very short as, as a year, I think, after I was born. And my family actually resided. We moved to University Park, Illinois, which is 35 minutes, 40 minutes south of Chicago, um, down 57 there. Um, and we lived there up until fourth grade, then moved to Delvin, Wisconsin. But when I got out of school, uh, high school, I actually went back to Chicago. Went to, I thought I wanted to be a chef. So I went to the cooking hospitality through Chicago, right there on Orleans Avenue downtown. I worked at Sport Mart on LaSalle Avenue. And then I realized, like, I really don't want to be a chef, and this sucks. Like, after probably about two weeks of being there. And I called back home and told my parents, I'm like, hey, I don't want to be a chef anymore. They're like, yeah, we told you that before you went there because you don't like to cook. <laughs> uh, kind of a, what I I think do, an odd what, prerequisite, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, what I want to do, I want to own a restaurant. I still want to own a restaurant right now. And when I retire, regardless of where my life goes, I'm telling you, I'm going to own a small, quaint bar restaurant. But anyway, I wanted to own a restaurant, so I thought having a culinary degree would help. Um, but anyway, I, I realized it sucked. So then working at Sport Mart, I actually went to Glen Ellen, Illinois, College of DuPage for my EMT classes. And then I was uh, starting my firefighter one. And sorry, I just kind of told backwards. But anyway, that's when I got hired in Madison. I got hired in Madison and Peoria, Illinois at the same time. And we picked Madison. So it was Peoria or Madison. And then you went up to Madison because the campus is beautiful up there. So that's fantastic. And Peoria, I got I got two offers, one from Madison, Wisconsin, one from Peoria at the same time, only because their tests were actually literally happening at the same time. I remember taking the CPAT or taking the, the uh, physical test one day and literally driving from Peoria to Madison, Wisconsin the next day to take the Madison physical test. Oh, man. And then and so what did you get out of Madison, Wisconsin? When did I get what did I get out of it? Yeah. When did you get hired there? So you're 24 years now? Is that oh, I got hired. Uh, that's right. Uh, I got hired here uh, December 1st of 1997. Oh, wow. And then you got involved, obviously, with the local there uh, um, right off the bat. Or Let me ask you this. how What was your kind of first experience with AF, IAFF organized labor when you first when you finally left Illinois and went to Wisconsin? I actually come from the charity side of the union shop. Um, so my, when I first got hired, my lieutenant, uh, old crutchety guy um, told me that, uh, you know, you got to make sure you go to union meetings. And he told me basically you had to. We, were, we had general membership meetings once a month. And I went to the meeting, and after about two or three meetings, I said, well, I should probably, you know, ask the volunteer to do something. So I went up to the vice president at the time, said, hey, Mr. Vice President Healy, can I uh, volunteer and do something? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, he looked up from his glasses. And he's actually a good friend of mine now. Both of them actually are, but he looked up from his classes and said, kid, you can come to the local golf outing next week and uh, volunteer if you want. Be there at 630. So I said, okay. Got there at 630. Um, asked him what I could do. He said, uh, well, you can. He goes, I actually don't have anything for you to do. He goes, but if you want, you can carry golf bags from members' cars to their golf carts. Here's the list. So that's what I did. I actually thought it was a thing. Like, I'm 20 years old at the time, right? So young, dumb, and naive, and I go get the list, and I'm going carrying golf bags from people's cars. They, and they don't know me. They're looking at me like, who the hell are you? Why are you grabbing my golf bag? <laughs> and I, I was, I was introducing myself to all the members. Like, ah, Lieutenant Yap, I'm uh, Malin Mitchell, new over at Station 7 on the west side, and helping out. So my first union job, my first union thing ever was carrying other members golf <laughs> did you did you like watch caddyshack to prep for it was that like your your no. training video or something 
so I wasn't a caddy. I was just carrying them from right to like their their car to their golf cart. <laughs> so but, you were even lower than a caddy. Okay, I got it. <laughs> that's right. That was a caddy's assistant. <laughs> so it was just it was just a bizarre thing. But that's how I got involved. And in 1998, we started our charitable foundation here in Madison, our local 311 charities. I was very intimately involved in that. I eventually became our chief financial officer of that. Um, I got on our board early um, and was representing one of the largest stations in our city. Um, and then I also became our burn camp director. Like you guys, actually, we stole the idea from you guys. There's a there's an Illinois Alliance for Fire uh, Safety, and uh, they actually have a burn camp every year, and they bring in kids from seven, ages seven to seventeen years old. And, uh, you know, kids have been abused and burned by fire, scalding burns and everything else. They bring them to a camp, and it's all volunteers where firefighters, nurses, and doctors are, are there. Um, and they're actually the counselors. So I started doing that, and I was a counselor for four years, and I became the burn camp director for six years. And that's how I actually got involved in the union, because I used to go give a report about the burn camp to the state association. And that's how I got some notoriety, and people got to know me. And the rest is history, brothers. Oh man, that is that's a fantastic. Are you still involved with the burn camp? Now, I mean, obviously you're busy with other things, but but you you know what you know what's great is I started a charitable foundation here in Wisconsin uh, for our state association, Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin, in 2013. I put a working plan together. Um, we had zero dollars in the bank. We now have close to a million dollars in assets. We have two full time employees actually here at our state office. And we actually absorbed the burn camp into our charitable foundation. So yes, I'm very intimately involved in burn camp. I'm the chairperson of our uh, charities here in, in Wisconsin by way of our my position. So when I leave, I'm going to make sure the next president is. But but we actually have the burn camp in the professional firefighters of Wisconsin, though. So yeah, I, I love it, man. Wow, and, and, and I want to. So I want to fast forward and go back to, to, to Madison, not Madison. I thought you had worked in the South Suburbs, too, which is why I got that screwed up. I thought your career was like Westmont to the South Burbs up to Madison, Wisconsin. But what, I'm an idiot. What are you going to do? All right. So. It was. I mean, I, I worked, yeah, Westmont. I, I literally was in Westmont. I think I worked there maybe. I was just getting my gear. Like I, <laughs> I, I, the, 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 chief had no, the chief had no positions open, even for a volunteer at the time. I think it was a paid on call department. He had no positions open. But I would, I would, I was working at State Farm Insurance around the corner. So I would go bug him every day. I would go meet with him, like every day. So I figured he would have to hire me. And finally, he just did. He's like, God. He's like, Jesus. Okay, we'll, we'll get you. I'll fit some gear. We'll get you in training. And I was at EMT class anyway, um, at Glen Ellen and College of the Faith. So I, will, I, I, I was didn't get hired in Westmont, but I was literally just Man. starting. I got that in Madison. Gave me a conditional offer. I can't speak for Luke, but I've never been that passionate about anything my entire life. So that is, you definitely wanted to be a fireman. That's for damn sure, right? So. Well, I got, I, got two, I got two brothers in the fire service well. well I think my, one's my in St. Paul, right? Yeah, my, my, my younger brother's up in St. Paul, Minnesota. They actually endorsed me first. Like, they were one of my first endorsements. And then one is down in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my older brother's down in Atlanta, Georgia. And they endorsed me, uh, which thank God they did, but about three weeks ago. So you can tell I... I like my old, my younger brother. Better. Oh, it's fantastic. You know what I'm imagining right now, Jerry? What? Is Malon is Illinois' president. And I had I don't have to deal with a Pat Devaney or Chuck Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I got robbed. <laughs> like if Westmont hired him, I'd have a, a president. <laughs> yes, you know? exactly. So it, I, I think I, I feel like I got screwed over. You'd now. have a mentor Here, to look up to, oh, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Or so, Peoria would hire me, but I don't know if I'd be as involved in politics as I was. You know, that's how life works. Uh, but, uh, 
Pure is one of the locals uh, that I represent. You, you guys got great leaders. You got Pat Devaney. Isn't he like the secretary treasurer of the AFL now? Oh, my God. He's a legend. We actually don't even say his we, He's so legendary here, Malin. We say his name in a whisper. We're like, hey, have you talked to Pat Devaney today? I mean, how'd that go? You right. know, he's just a legend. <laughs> and then we followed you know. up with the equally adorable Chuck Sullivan. So, yeah, we, have, we, we are very fortunate up here. Like Wisconsin is with you. you. We're fortunate. Well, you got Pat and, and Pat, me and Pat actually hit it off right away. And, you know, we, as, as everyone or some people should know that we have your state and provincial leaders meeting twice a year. And me and Pat are the ones now by way of being at Wisconsin and Illinois probably helped too, but we were, um, we hit it off right away. I'm good friends with Pat and then Chuck was your legislative director, I believe at the time, but it became that, but I mean, Chuck are close to, I mean, I, I love ASFI. I've been to you guys convention, your legislative conference before and, you guys, we had Scott Walker, and you guys eventually got Bruce Browner. Oh God! Well, I, well, I want to, yeah. I want to get into that. One of the darkest moments that I've had uh, was uh, the wonderful era of 2010, and Scott Walker and his cronies, and Wisconsin being, I think, the first state in the union that allowed for state public employee collective bargaining to to the, yeah. sh- the shame of, of what took place. And I can personally remember going up there on the weekends and in, in marching around the Capitol and protesting on like Thursday, Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. And it was an awful experience. And I, I think if I recall, I think in 2011, you become the statewide Wisconsin president. But obviously, of course, you had been involved prior to that. But do you recall those dark times in 20? It was horrible. It was a horrible experience. Oh yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's not even funny, but we just—I just did a uh, one of our major newspapers out here interview about the ten-year anniversary um, of Act Ten actually passing. It took a while for it to pass, but and, and yeah, I recall it. And having the interview today, um, and that, that's actually a podcast too. Um, does everyone have a podcast now? Is that the thing? I think everyone has a podcast. I mean, clearly none of them are as good as ours. Um, you know, right. honestly, Malin, you're so important. We remain sober for you, which is really for us kind of a, you know, <laughs> that really well, means that you're Chica- the I did, I did the Chicago uh, Bravest podcast. I'm not going to lie to you. That was a pretty good podcast. Oh, of course. But anyway, move, yes. moving on. Yeah, moving guys, on. Uh, I heard the interviewing yeah. questions were incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, move, but moving on, I'll tell you. It it, it 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 seems like it was thirty years ago, but it was only ten no, ten years ago. And, and I'll tell you, it was. Uh, I wasn't trying to be president of anything. I wasn't trying to be president of my local president of the state. Um, and we had Governor Walker come in, and I just became president. Like, I don't know, two three weeks before Act Ten, which essentially was uh, not officially, but essentially was the, the the bill that took away collective bargaining for public employees and left us exempt. Um, and I and I had two or three weeks in office. No one knew who I was. I had just got on the AFL CEO executive board here, State Federation of Wisconsin. Um, I had just, I'm not, I was not a household name to anyone about anything. Um, not that I am now, but in Wisconsin labor, obviously now because of what happened with Walker. But um, I'll tell you that that changed my life forever. And I would not have been running for, really, if you think about it, brothers, I, I wouldn't be running for, um, lieutenant governor like I did in 2012 or governor in 2018 at all I wouldn't have been that politically involved or motivated and I wouldn't be running for president of the International Association of Firefighters more than likely unless it was for that law that got passed and, and, and having to you know make decisions again it wasn't just me it was our entire state making decisions and, and working trying to get rid of that 
field, even though we weren't involved. Nowadays, they call it solidarity, right? You hear solidarity, the fist up in the air now. But back then, we were just calling the right thing to do because the bill essentially took collective bargaining away from all public sector employees. And like you said, we're one of the first states in the country to have a true comprehensive collective bargaining law in the book that actually got rid of uh, being able to strike as fire and police and all that. And AFSCME was actually started here in Wisconsin. AFSCME was started in Wisconsin here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, AFSCME was started in Wisconsin in 1932. Wow, I, so didn't, a, I didn't know that. Yeah, we're, we are a union state. And for a, uh, someone, an asshole like Governor Scott Walker to come in and uh, just basically turn that around with just a swipe of a pen was crazy. Yeah, um, I mean, you remember, I, yeah, I remember, you remember he was just—he was going to just use that as his launch pad to run for higher office, and he was going to do it on your backs, correct? Yeah, and you know what he used is divide and conquer. And I, I know we have members that are Republicans, and we have members that are, you know, independents and Democrats. I know we're all over the spectrum, but divide and conquer works, unfortunately. And Scott Walker, what he did—he created an enemy, and the enemy was public sector employees. That if those public sector employees did not have do not have great pensions, then our state finances would be in order. Even though we know over time we bargained in lieu of raises to have a pension that's affordable. Correct. And if those public sector employees didn't have health care, that was free. Of course, they always say it's free, even though we know over time we paid ten to twelve percent of our health care, and in lieu of raises again, we bargained that so it's at a cost that we can afford as middle class workers and, and working people. And he created an enemy. We have a three point six billion dollars structural deficit. He would always say. He created an enemy. That enemy was public sector employees. And, you know, just like anything, people, if you say it over and over and over again, people started to believe it. And people started to believe it. It's like, my life sucks because he's public sector employees. And my life sucks because he's union. I mean, our NEA affiliate, um, WEAC, had over 100,000 members in it. They now have less than, I think, 30,000. AFSCME had 63,000 members in it. 63,000 members between state, local, and county. Uh, employees, they now have, I believe, between ten and fifteen thousand. Oh my god! Man, Maybe up to twenty. Let me ask, it, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was going to ask. I mean, so. You know, for, for individuals who may be listening and don't understand the importance of solidarity and what you just talked about, what have been the real world ramifications? I mean, when you're losing union membership like that, it seems to me that it's just a, a recipe for a race to the bottom. Would you agree? I mean, what have you seen in terms of worker rights and worker benefits since 2010 in Wisconsin? Well, there's a reason why billionaires are spending millions of dollars to get rid of unions. It's not because they're trying to give middle class and workers more money into their pockets. So we can stop believing any of that, that personalness bullshit. Correct. Okay. Um, that that certain individuals are selling them. They're not trying to say, well, if you didn't have to pay these union dues, which are, what, 16, 18 bucks a month, that you will have more money in your pocket. No, quite contrary. They're trying to actually, there is a, there's a race to the bottom. There is a, a true... Um, sentiment and, and a, a true path and people are trying to keep us at a certain level so they can make more money and unions have built this country so what we've seen here in wisconsin is the erosion of that and like you said earlier we have one of the best collective bargaining laws one of the first actually comprehensive ones we absolutely started here in wisconsin and now what you're saying is um 
unfortunately, from what Scott Walker did, all for his own political ambition, is division within our state. Teachers not happy. We're seeing uh, retention and recruitment being basically nothing. Why would a teacher come to Wisconsin and teach here when they, they have no civil service protections? There's no mediation or arbitration laws. They actually made handbooks, for the most part, illegal. And there's basically just cause provisions that are almost gone. So why would anybody come here to teach? We're losing, we're losing great, great young minds to Minnesota and Illinois, quite frankly, because there's no protections here. Um, and I'll tell you, I have a daughter that's 22 years old. She doesn't want to be a teacher. Um, but we're losing great young minds to other places. And it's an erosion of actually our society here in Wisconsin. And I'm not just, and people will be like, okay, well, that's kind of an overreach. It's not. We're losing people because of what happens to union protection here in our state. So we're losing middle-class individuals. And it's, it, is, it truly is a racist bottom. Well, so 2010 happens. And, and again, in my own personal history, it was a disaster and it was heartbreaking. And people like you stand up, right? Okay. So now it's 2010 and people like you get involved even more and they stand up. And next thing you know, you are running for Lieutenant Governor in, in 2012 uh, of the great state of Wisconsin, which is wonderful, except for the Packers, but you know, different story for a different day. Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. Though. Of course you are. That's why we all endorsed you. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, it's not, it's not a good being a Bears fan. is not like a fun thing. No. Are you, like are you kidding me? <laughs> The Chicago Bears are the Let's Scott. Go. They're we're the Scott Walker of football right, right now. Mad Nagy's still there. Mr. Biscuit's going to get another year. Yeah, right. Ryan Pace is still there. Yes. And Mike Singletary now, might now be our defensive coordinator. Right. A, silver, a broken clock's right twice a day, but, you know, whatever. And Brian, Her- Brian Erlacher's uh, brother got uh, pardoned by Trump the other day. That's but, correct. Yeah, you. You can have, I think, uh, millions in, in income that you don't pay taxes on, and you just get yourself a pardon. Life is life yeah. is good, right? So, so yeah, there you go. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, no, that's that's. I, I when did you ever wake up in the morning thinking you were gonna pair gonna compare Scott Walker to the Chicago Bears? Welcome to the Associated Firefighters of Illinois podcast. Um, so <laughs> so you run in 2012. And little point of personal privilege. That's the first time that I had actually ever met you. You had come down to to Illinois. Uh, to talk to us when you were running for lieutenant governor in it, it, it was I'm not just I, I've actually told people this before I'm not just saying this because you're on the on the on the line here but it was it was magical like your ability to to speak and and I will never forget you talking about uh, at the time it was Dr. King and the sanitation strike in Memphis Tennessee and it was it was really your your gift of gab was was quite impressive and and uh, I, it was that was really a big deal for us down here because I was like okay we were all like well here's like this fireman and this guy's running for lieutenant governor of the state right so it was almost like well if this guy can run and do it then we can and I I know people who you know ran for municipal office or county board etc and. I can actually distinctly remember in my own local, in my own law practice, et cetera, people running um, because you were doing that in Wisconsin. And, and, and what was your first experience like running for public office in, in 2012? You know what? Everything happened so fast, brother. It, it, it was uh, like a whirlwind. And it's because Act 10 happened, right? And then I thought I was getting my feet wet before Act 10 came. I was getting my feet wet to be state president. I was only on the board two years prior to becoming state president. I got on our state board in 2009. Um, 
So in 2011, when I became our state president, um, I thought, you know, I had to obviously our, our main goal, we have seven core objectives, five out of the seven are political, but our main goal is being political and advancing the interests of firefighters through legislation. And, and I had to get up on my game for that, right? And being president wasn't easy. We were having division here in Wisconsin like no other. Not, I'm, not, I'm not even talking about external politics with Scott Walker. Internally, um, we had the reason I became president, quite frankly, is because we had five members that resigned because there were FEC complaints filed. We had a Department of Labor compliance audit that all the stuff that was dropped in my lap. Um, we had a, we, I mean, we, I had seven or eight locals that say, you know, what, I'm going to pull out a state association mail. Nothing against you, but um, we're sick of all the infighting at the top. We're sick of paying money to the professional firefighters of Wisconsin, PFFW, well, the IAFF. So I asked them to give us three years to turn around. They said, we'll give you two. Um, so we, in, in that time, we turn around, fast forward for today's sake and time. We have every IAFF affiliate now um, in our state association, including the city of Milwaukee, uh, Firefighters Local, uh, Milwaukee Local 215. And if you didn't know, that's our biggest local within our state. I mean, they're our Chicago, right? Sure, sure. And, uh, and they're in our state association. But getting back to what your question was, it, it, it all happened so fast at that time that I was essentially actually drafted, you know, and I hate when, I hate when what would be your external elected officials say, well, a lot of people ask me to run. I hate that. But I was drafted by a group and I don't, I still to this day don't know who that group was, but there was a group on Facebook and, and social media, which I was not even, I wasn't even on social media at that time. I'm not even kidding you. I was not on social media in 2011 and 10 I don't, I, at all. And there was this group that drafted me, Mitchell, for lieutenant governor. Well, actually, it was Mitchell for governor in 2012. And uh, I are, we already knew that Tom Barrett, who had just previously run, ran, was going to re-up and run again. Um, and there were actually other candidates. He had actually had a primary. Um, but everyone said, well, okay, we got that going. Well, let's, well, Mitchell does lieutenant governor. So the party talked to me and higher ups in the party talked to me. People with a lot of money talked to me. And then um, they said, hey, you, you'd be perfect for this. So I actually ran for lieutenant governor in 2012. It was a recall election. So that the state, actually, this group had to actually garner over a million signatures to recall our sitting governor. And unfortunately, it, it turns out that uh, people don't like recalls unless it's something for malfeasance, nonfeasance, misfeasance, any feasance. But they actually, um, we, we lost, but we had a hell of a fight, and that's why I got involved in politics, and that's how I originally ran. I wasn't trying to seek higher office, but there was this draft thing, and then people were like, hey, we need someone that provides some spark, help out the top of the ticket, so that's why I ran. And, and it was close? I mean, I think you were over 1.2 million votes in that recall election, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I actually, uh, I think I got more percentage of the votes, or more votes than the top of the ticket, actually. Because in a recall election, you actually you run at the ticket, but you actually have to be voted on separately in a recall election. So I think, and I, I mean, there's no doesn't matter because you lose, you lose. But I think I actually get more percentage of the votes than Tom Barrett, who's mayor of Milwaukee, who actually ran. But don't quote me on that because I don't remember, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it was just it was it was it was a hell of a lot of votes <laughs> in a good fight, and then I think you yeah. and then you entered the Democratic primary in the 2018 election, then for governor, correct? Yeah, 2018, same thing. I and not necessarily drafted, but a lot of people, and I and I was looking. I'll be honest with you, I was looking to 
eventually do something else in politics. Cause I, I really enjoyed running. I really did. Um, I, re- I really enjoyed talking to people here in our state and, and going across our 72 counties and talking about issues. And I thought it was a good time because it wasn't necessarily about Act 10 or, or union rights. It was, it was more about actually knowing the, you know, our, our state budget and actually things that we can do to make help people's lives. And I think that's what politics is about, helping, helping people's lives, right? And we need to get rid of Scott Walker. A lot of people are like, we need a spark. We need something different than to get rid of Scott Walker. We, we had um, the recall, and we had Mary Burke who ran um, three years later. She's a businesswoman, very rich. That Burke's actually owned Trek Bicycles. Um, her family, that's where they come from. Um, but she lost, and then four years later, it was um, a time I thought to like do something different. But I guess second place to the current governor who we have right now, Tony Evans. And, and oh, obviously that entire time you were still a statewide president of the, uh, the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. And, and I just want to go back into that because I want to, I mean, I, we wanted to understand your background and, and your reason for, for doing things because that's something our listeners obviously would want to know. But I want to talk about your accomplishments with the with the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin. So if you can name for me, what would you, so you leave there, you're, you're heading to, you know, to Washington, D.C., you're moving on. Tell me what your biggest accomplishments are. What are you most proud of as president of the state? I am probably most proud of bringing every IAFF affiliate in our state back in the state association. And it's because Milwaukee Local 215, um, and I love my brothers and sisters there, don't get me wrong, but they actually endorsed my opponent when I ran for lieutenant governor. I mean, could you imagine a firefighter endorsing a candidate that was really anti-labor, but they were, because we were exempt, they thought it was the right thing to do, which is their right. We have local autonomy. The IFF was behind me 100 um, percent because we're fighting the good fight. But they endorsed my opponent. But after that was all said and done, it was time to get back to work. I lost. Um, there was no stop to steal, or there was, the election wasn't rigged. We just freaking lost, right? So we we I, first call I made after I lost was actually to the Milwaukee local 215 to bring them back into the state association. Now, they were out 26 years prior to 2011, and they endorsed Scott Walker the first time. It was, so it wasn't easy. But getting people back together is one thing that I am proud of, and, and bringing two different sides together. Even though they, they, they endorsed my opponent, it, it, it matters because it's about the membership. And when leader, leadership's fighting like what we're seeing right now in the IFF, that's a problem because there's no real progressive ideas, and, and I, I say progressive in the word of looking forward. Uh, not political, but looking forward and trying to get things done. There's no ideals that are being done or ideas that are coming up to actually lead our members forward. But that's one of my biggest accomplishments. I also am happy that we started a statewide pack. I cut my salary at the top. I, we gave a dollar per member per month um, back to our locals. We have about 62 locals here in Wisconsin. We gave a dollar per member per month back. Uh, they, in turn, by way of resolution, we assess, they assess themselves a dollar per member per month. We now not only give money, to, not only money for statewide candidates, but enough money to give back to locals so they can play in local and county races. Um, and also we start a political action team where we can back that money up with uh, boots on the ground, almost like a strike team that goes out to our locals across the state to be able to help them when common council meetings or township meetings or local county boards. And we did that because it's about the members. And many of our, 
our ninety two percent of our locals here in Wisconsin are a hundred and under. Um, and a lot of them don't have the know how. A lot there's a lot of turnover in leadership in, at the local level. But we were able to actually, which I believe our job is, like TFSW or AFFI, is to support and work on behalf of our members and back up our locals, right, at the state and local county level. We were able to get three ref, two referendums passed last cycle. We're we'll working on another referendum right now. Um, I, again, I talked about the foundation, our charitable foundation. I think it's very important that we see our community outside of the emergency. Um, it's not only is it the right thing to do, it only helps us at the bargaining table. Um, and we are able to do that. We have close to a million dollars in assets now, as I said earlier. We also help our locals start their own 501c3. And my executive director here that actually takes care of our foundation uh, is also a firefighter. And that's, that's key to me. I also believe, like, and I came down to you guys' legislative conference, but we have a legislative conference as well. Um, and you guys, was, I mean, you guys are a lot bigger than us anyway, with 200-plus locals I think you guys have. But, uh, you know, we have 30 – we used to get 30 or 40 members that would come. And so I went back to our members and asked the question, why? They said, well, we can't afford it because we were charging $300 a pop. A lot of our locals were hurting. So I came back to the drawing board, worked with our executive team, and uh, we made it free for two members from every local to come to our state-wide educational leadership and political conference. And um, we now have 250 to 260 of our members that come, and they get the education they need go back to their members and actually work on behalf of our membership. And all we did was cut trim some of the Fed at the top with salaries and other things that we're spending money on and actually um, raise some of the dollars for our vendors, um, which our vendors were happy to pay because now instead of 40 or 50 members there, they have actually 240. We bought a building recently. Um, we now have, uh, we were always on Capitol Square, which if you don't know, Madison, our capital is literally on the square. Um, we were on the square renting seventeen, eighteen hundred bucks a month. We saw a building about found a building about two blocks off the square. Um, so now we're financially sound. We own the building. Um, our the Wisconsin Chamber Orchestra downtown pays our entire freight, um, pays our full mortgage. So we're financially sound not just for now, but for the very long term future. So all these things matter, right? And and, and I and I didn't do it by myself. It wasn't Malin Mitchell. I, I had the opportunity to lead a team and lead our executive board members that were elected by our membership, obviously. And that's what I love about the state association. That's what I love about our union. And I want to take that same tenacity to the IFF. Well, yeah, and I think that's a great segue, right? So you announced that you're running for – by the way, I, I am familiar with Madison, Wisconsin. My sister went to college there, but I don't remember much of it. Like, I, I went up there, had some long weekends. It's a fun – that's a fun college town, State especially sp- yeah. especially around Halloween, as I, as I don't recall, but I, it's fuzzy. I know I was there, and then next thing you know, I was back in Illinois. I don't know what happened, but, so you're, yeah. So you were drunk. <laughs> what? Um – so <laughs> the hell you say, um, but th- I think this is a, this, I think this is a great segue. Um, you know, look, you you announced that you're running for general president of the International Association of Firefighters, uh, and and the hundreds of thousands of us. So I, I think I know the answer to this. I just want to add because I really think you just articulated it in, in an a incredible way. Excuse me, it's late in the day. Uh, but you know, why are you running? Why that decision to run? What happened that you said no? Given who's running or the players here, how this is shaping up, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. What happened? You know, our DSC, uh, Ed Kelly, is running. And, 
I don't like what a lot of the way he's reacted and to some of the things he's done in the last four years. He's been there since 2016. Um, right now, he's running as an outsider. Um, and I and, and just so I, let me preface it before I say it. I, I get along with Brother Kelly very well. We both became state presidents at the same time, I believe, in 2011. Him, obviously, in Massachusetts. Uh, me in Wisconsin. He's been a local president of Boston. I've been a local president as well. I mean, obviously, he's local Boston's bigger, but you know, we all we, we fight the same battles a lot of times. And I and I have nothing but uh, true true love for the brother. But I'm, I, but when it comes down to our union and looking to the future. We have a lot of challenges ahead of us. COVID-19, we're dealing with all across the world. Civil unrest all across this country. Our brothers and sisters dying of cancer at crazy rates every year. Our brothers and sisters looking at taking their own lives because of the cumulative effects of what we see over time. We have a lot of challenges. We have a lot of opportunities as well. But we need, we need a leader right now. In 2016, 2017, 2018, 19, we didn't hear anything about any misconduct allegations or problems with our, our pension at the IFF or problems with uh, President Schaeberger's pension that has been voted on by the by the, the leadership for 20 years. We didn't hear anything about it. But then all of a sudden, we get this drop, not in the lap of the executive board where it should have went, that there's a problem. No, the New York Times, the Washington Post. And all I, rem- I, remember, I remember reading those articles, and as a, as a union IFF firefighter, it was embarrassing. I, you know, I didn't want to read about us in that fashion. So I, I'm right. sorry, I just wanted to jump in there. It was horrible. Yeah, and, and, it, and it tarnishes our good name. It tarnishes the black and gold brand. And that's a problem, and that's an issue. And that's why I'm running, because we don't need a savior right now, right, for someone's own political ambition. I'm ambitious, no doubt. We talked about what I've tried to do over the last three, ten years. Nothing wrong with ambition. But we treat each other better. We're better than this in our jobs, and we're better than this in our union work. If there was a problem within the IFF, and I've read all the committee reports, if there's a problem within the IFF, then our executive board that is elected there to solve those problems should have the ability to do that without any outside influence. The right-wing blogs that don't give a crap about us at all. So I'm running because we are a strong union. We're 324,000 members strong. 324,000 of the best men and women, in my opinion, that you can find on planet Earth. We've organized and, 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 and have organized 123,000 of those members in the 21st century. So we're continuing to grow. We're leading the way in so many things. You look at cancer research, presumptive benefits, SOP research, disaster relief uh, funding, um, GIS analysis, MFA at the federal level. The Droga Act, Cancer Registry, our Safer Act and Grant, Public Safety Officer Benefit, our IFF getting in front of um, the COVID-19 and making sure that any members that we lose because of COVID-19 that is actually considered a line of duty death, family gets the Public Safety Officer Benefit. So I'll tell you right now, I believe actually, brother, that we're the baddest union on, union on the planet. And we lead the way in so many things. So we need someone that's going to actually take us into the future and lead us in a direction prosperity and but more importantly getting back to taking care of the members not about one person's mission about taking care of themselves or who they're going to be in charge mission one person this is about having a united iff and an iff that works on behalf of the men and women who are on the street as we are on this um podcast right now you know and i want to I guess I want to ask this, uh, 
I mean, not I guess, I do want to ask this. You you're, 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 will be coming into office at this time of just incredible devices, divisiveness in our country, and we all see it. And you see it in the news media, and you see it um, uh, in, at the firehouse table. I mean, I see it, you know, every third day when you go on shift. I mean, there have been some really horrible, ugly political conversations around the firehouse table at every firehouse, you know, firehouses throughout the country. So, you know, you come in, you're, you're now general president of the International Association of Firefighters. You have, you know, hardcore progressives, old school labor Democrats. You have Trump Republicans. You have... IAF members in labor strongholds like Illinois. You have IAF, IAFF members in Alabama and Mississippi and just devastated areas for labor. I'm going to ask you the most unfair question in the world. Like, what, what do you do? Like, how do you, what, how do you bring all of us together from such a disparate nation uh, under the black and gold banner? Like, what, what's the plan if there is one right now? Well, that's what you just said. I was just going to say, you start with a plan. And my plan is is to do exactly what I did here in Wisconsin. And, and, and I realize, believe me, Wisconsin is a very small microcosm of the bigger IFF. We're just one small blip on the screen of the IFF. And, and we, we're normally half of our country. Um, but I'll tell you, issues are the same. Um, and the way we resolve the issues here in Wisconsin, I mean, it was so bad here in Wisconsin that they were there. We had members and leaders across our state that were talking about like disbanding and being done with it, having a state association, maybe starting a new one in years to come, but getting rid of it, taking the money that's in investments, whatever that was, and, and, and giving back to the locals based on per cap. It was that bad here. Um, but what we did was we came back to the drawing board and came back to the table as a team. And, uh, you know, before we did our strategic plan, went over our SWAT C analysis, our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, constraints, we actually asked that one question. And one question is, what kind of union will we be? And what kind of union will we have? Every decision we made was a member-oriented decision. And everything we did at the executive board level was about the members. And that's how we turned things around. I would do the same thing with the IFF. I would get back to actually getting back about a member-oriented association. And I would have a, I would have a retreat of our 16th district vice president and top-level staff. And at that retreat, it's not for us to sing kumbaya or hold hands. It's actually a retreat where we will get things done and look at accountability, transparency, and make two reforms at the top levels of the IFF bring the union back to a place where it needs to be, and that is taking care of the members. I would do things like review all the contracts that the IFF is currently in. Any contract that has no um, benefit to the membership would be exhausted or terminated. I will make sure that we actually meet with, meet with every top-level staff and AGPs, assistant to the general presence, and review what's going on. And how can we make things more um, transparent as well as how can we make and streamline things at the top level? I will make sure that the three pension plans that the IFF has right now that are actually not going so well, um, that has been in the New York Times and Washington Post and everything else, I will do a comprehensive audit of all three of those plans. And I'm not going to release them to those outlets or these stupid blogs. I'm going to release them to you, to you, the membership, so you have a proper accounting where your money's going. Right now, the IFF has a $75 million budget. $54 million of that is made up of a per cap cost, per cap that we all send across the country and Canada back to the IFF. 
We need to know where that money is being spent. I will do an audit of our annual budget and make sure it's released to our members so they know where the money is being spent. I would also look at, you know, brother, something that we always, every four years, and maybe not in Illinois necessarily, but you probably, you guys probably have some of the rough too, I would imagine. Every four years, we have a dissension among the ranks. We have division because of a presidential endorsement. Um, four years ago, you know, they, they did a pre- and post-primary poll. There was no endorsement done. Now, four years, um, now, just so we're in full, just for full transparency, I'm 100% in agreement with the Joe Biden endorsement, and I say that to everybody. Uh, I actually know Joe Biden. I actually, uh, Kamala Harris, when I ran for governor in 2018, endorsed my campaign, did a couple fundraisers on my behalf. I have actually known her since she was attorney general in California. So I'm in agreement with the endorsement, just so we're clear. And uh, I think we all should agree that the next general president of the IFF should have a good relationship with the incoming administration. But I understand our the trepidation and some of the pushback that our members have because we didn't endorse anyone four years ago, but now we endorse Joe Biden a day, a day and a half after he announces. Matter of fact, at the Ledge conference, and I was there holding up the sign. It said, run, Joe, run. He wasn't even officially declared yet. So I remember it's like, well, what's the process? So what I will do is, I think we should have a process. And I would do a baseline poll that would actually go through our district vice presidents, the state and local leaders. And our members that want to be involved in an issue-based poll can be. It's not going to just be a push-button poll where do you, do you want candidate or candidate to be. I would have nine or ten of our issues. Not the gays, guns, and God issues, but our actual issues. Hours, wages, working conditions, health and safety for our members and our families. So I have those issues on the table and what and where each candidate stands with our issues. And then those poll findings will come back through the state and local officers, uh, back to the DVPs and to the International Executive Board. Then we'll make a more informed decision as to who we endorse. Now, at the end of the day, we're going to um, lead. And I know we're not going to make all 324,000 members happy ever about anything at any time. But what they will know is that the process is fair and it's actually transparent. I mean, we could, and I've said this on my town halls many times, we could endorse Jesus Christ himself. We would have members saying, you know what? I don't think we should be involved in religion. You know, I'm with Pontius Pilate. There's this I'm guy, Pontius, Pontius Pilate. Pilate, down the block. We yeah. should talk to him, too, right? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I, or I'm with Caesar. Like, yeah, I, right. like, we would, like, our members would be, we would have members that would just lose their minds. And I get that. And we're, we're not, you know, we're not in a vacuum. We're just like the rest of the country. But I, I think our members should have a say. And I also believe our members know what the process is. We need to educate on that process. I, as soon as you mentioned Pontius Pilate and Caesar, I thought of Dom DeLuise in History of the World Part 1. That was the first image that shot to mind. When you... <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I mean, so basically what you're saying is, in, in, I, I just have to say this for the benefit of our listeners because it's something that the Associated Firefighters of Illinois has been preaching. What you're saying is, is that, look, whether it makes you happy or not, we're going to do our best efforts to endorse the person who's going to help your working conditions of employment the most. That's what I'm hearing and appreciating, correct? Yes, and it's not about the social issues. Correct. I understand we have, we, have, we have conversations at the kitchen table about, you know, Second Amendment, Second Amendment rights and same-sex marriage and um, – you know, abortion rights, a woman's right to choose. I get that. And I don't, and I don't believe the IFF or the AFFI or the PFW, we're not telling anyone you need to vote for this person. What we're telling you is 
we're endorsing this person because for these reasons. So I always say, like, you, you know, you vote your paycheck and you lobby your hobby. So we're telling you and asking you and giving you information on a certain candidate because it affects you and your family. And then if you don't want to vote for that person, that's your right. I mean, we live in America. But here's the reason why the union is telling you that this is a better candidate for your job, for you on the street as a firefighter, paramedic, or dispatcher. This is why we're telling you to vote this way. But you vote for you want, and then we move on. Well, in, in, in well, moving on, I, well, kind of tangentially related here, but you know, moving on from that, um, one of the IFF's role, incredible roles is uh, uh, working the legislative process. So in Washington, D.C., you are general president. I, I want to talk to you about what are your legislative priorities? What are the, I don't want to put a number on it, you know, the top three things or something like that, but what do you want the United States Congress to pass that is going to benefit us nationwide as 324? Well, we have international affiliates, but in the United States, what do you want to see passed to benefit us? You know, brother, that's, that's a great question. Those are the things that I like to talk about in my town halls. Those are the things I, just, I like to talk about um, in any communications that I have. Um, unfortunately, in IFF right now, we're talking about infighting at the top. And that's why I believe we need a clean, fresh start in the IFF. But to go to your question again, uh, I sound like a politician. Like I'm not answering your question; I'm giving you something else. But I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the answer. So, how about those Bears? Right. How about they suck? Anyway, yeah. made the playoffs. So eight and eight, eight yeah. and nine now. Yeah, anyway, bro- broken clocks right twice a day. But go ahead. <laughs> By way of policy or platform, things that I think we need to change, um, or make actually enhance, not necessarily change, but Collective bargaining, number one. And uh, I'll tell you why. I, I believe that every local and our international should have the ability to sit down with their employer and talk about hours, wages, and working conditions and health. And I believe the those that, like us, that are on this line right now, that have collective bargaining rights to be the ones leading the charge. Um, and, we're, and that's going to help. Obviously, it's the right thing to do, but it also is going to help us because it changes the vernacular. When you have someone like Bruce Rauner or Scott Walker or John Kasich in Ohio that want to come in and take away your rights or attack the very fabric of what unions are about, we're always on a defense. We're waiting to take that first punch. Um, we should be the ones actually making the first punch figuratively through our strategic campaign, through our social media presence, and saying, no, not only do we in Illinois – or in Wisconsin, do we have collective bargaining as, as public safety officers? We believe that our brothers and sisters in Arkansas, in Georgia, in North Carolina, which they have no presumptives whatsoever, zero presumptives for cancer or anything. Imagine that. We, need, we believe that they should have the same rights that we have because they do the same jobs that we do. And they are not getting the protections that we have. They have no true just cause. They have no protections whatsoever. No civil service protections. We need to be fighting for them. Because that will actually lift and make and change the vernacular. One, it's the right thing to do. It changes the conversation. And three, we need to make sure that all of our members have the same rights. Now, we were very close to actually getting collective bargaining passed and a national collective bargaining bill passed. Didn't happen. It was Democrats actually that voted that one one Democrat that voted against it, and because they he voted against military appropriations, which was tied to that bill. But we need to make sure, and I want to reaffirm and reassess those efforts as to how we get 
collective bargaining passed. I think we have a great opportunity. Matter of fact, we have a the best opportunity ever to get it passed within the next few years. Uh, I talked about cancer prevention. Uh, our brothers and sisters are dying of cancer at crazy rates. Um, the cancer registry that was passed a couple of years back is a great first step for big data for the future. But we need to do everything in our power, like you know the the ISF did when it came to NFPA seventeen ten. And looking at three, what what does it take to make us safe as firefighters on the fire ground? Then they did EMS later, but firefighters on the fire ground. Time to task analysis. Three, four, five, or six on a rig. Looking at low, medium, to high hazard in, in response time. The IFF, we were the catalyst. And I say we, I mean all of us. You on the phone, everyone that's going to be listening. Is we were the catalyst. Stacking that meeting in Anaheim, California. When it came to NFPA 1710, and making sure that the consensus standards were raised and the stakeholders understood what we need in order to be safe. We need to do the same thing when it comes to cancer. When you're talking about PPE and you're talking about our, uh, our gear, I was on a podcast the other day with uh, Frank Ritchie, who is, you know, is, is not necessarily, we're not in agreement politically, but we do agree that, you know, when it comes to PPE manufacturers, we need to one, hold them accountable, but also make sure that. We'll work with the engineers to make sure that we don't have PFOS on our gear, outer or, or inner shell, and that we can make sure that we do everything in our power that when it comes to us being safe, that our gear or our foam is not also helping to give our members cancer. And then last, and not last, but, but what you said, top three, so I'll, I'll say our brothers and sisters in, are dying In no of particular cancer. order, right? Yeah. Our brothers and sisters are dying of taking their own lives. Center of Excellence on the East Coast is a great great resource. Uh, I've had seven or eight of our members go there and, and their work and save their lives. Um, but I want to make sure that when it comes to behavioral health treatment and our members getting the treatment they, they need before it's too late, that there's a federal bill that actually requires workers' comp carriers to pay for our members' treatment before it is too late. We can get that done when it comes to PTSD and PTSI. And I'll tell you, last but not least, is that um, there's a bill right now in Congress right now from a Senator Brown out of Ohio that will allow us to buy in, public safety officers to buy into um, Medicare at age 55. Actually, what enhances the Medicare program. But it's also a game changer for our members that don't have true retiree health care. My local does not. We have a 457, our, our RHS plan that will offset some of that cost, but this will allow us to buy into Medicare at age 55. So we don't have our members having to work to their 63, 62, as, as close as they can get to Medicare so that they cannot spend all their pension dollars on healthcare premiums. So these are some of the things that we can get done. These are some of the things I would do as your general president. And I know within the next two years, because we it's not four years, because we don't know what the Senate's going to look like in two years. It's things that we can get done on behalf of our members. And those are the things I want to talk about. Those are the things I want to work on. And all this bickering and bullshit at the top of the IFF needs to stop. And that's why we need a clean slate and a fresh start and get back to actually working on behalf of the members. Mainland, it's 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 just been an, it, it's been fantastic talking to you. And my second point of personal privilege uh, on behalf of IFF Local Five Hundred Six, the biggest little union in the nation, Berwyn, Illinois. Um, I'm so honored and proud that I was able to talk to you. It, it's it's just a it's it's a great experience. Um, and it, let me let me just the floor is yours. If there is there anything you else you would like to say uh, before we close out, and we'll go from there. No, I. I I thank you guys for having me. Um, this has been really fun, actually. And uh, some of the stuff, you know, campaign is great. And talking to our members is great. 
uh, it's not always it's not always fun, but it, it, it's great to listen to our members and actually talk to them. But you know, they're long days, obviously, and I ask for this, like my wife says. So I, you know, I can't complain, obviously. Um, but you know, I, I I want our members out there to know that I I am running because I believe our union's strong, and I also don't believe that we need to take back our union from anything. This is our union, and this is our union to make bigger, better, and stronger for the future, and more sustainable. You know, I, I look at what happened here in Wisconsin in a, a local like or a, a union like AFSCME. I don't want that to happen to the IFF. I don't want that to happen to the AFFI or the PFSW or any local, state, local, or provincial association within the IFF umbrella. But it can. If we don't think it can, then we're fooling ourselves. If we, were, if we fail to change, if we fail to reimagine our union in a different way, and we will, if we we will perish, and, that, and it's not a scare tactic. It's just like they're coming after us. Pensions, FLSA, all the things we talked about on this call today, this podcast. So we have to make sure we're we're ready, able, equipped, and our local, state, provincial officers are ready for that battle. And it's the IFF's job. It's the IFF's principal officer that should be making sure that our members have what they need, the tools they need, and resources they need to fight back and make the first punch. Actually, so. I hope that we can get together, and I want to make sure that we use, I want our members to unite to defeat what's dividing us. And I want our members to not take back our union, but I want our members to actually make our union bigger, better, and stronger. And we want to do that together, brother. Well, I am excited to have a, a, a cocktail or five with you when you leave Washington as the general president and come to Illinois. And I know Luke has uh, some endorsement. Well, first of all, I just want to let you know, we are not going to edit out the fact that you're a Bears fan. So uh, I don't know what that's going to do for you with your membership in Wisconsin, but you're on the record now. So I apologize for that. Uh, but I want to I want to turn it over to I want to turn it over to the old vice president because there there have been some pretty significant endorsements for you in the wonderful state of Illinois, Luke. Yeah, Malon, I really appreciate you talking to us today. I I think everything that's been said in this podcast is why the AFFI Executive Board chose to endorse your candidacy for GP on uh, January twelfth, just over a week ago. I know you've also received the endorsement of local two, and you're starting to receive a lot of endorsements from locals throughout the state of Illinois. So we're very proud to support you. We really appreciate your time in this. And it's quite the endeavor. And I appreciate your tenacity going after this. And hopefully we talk to you here as GP here in a couple months, uh, get you right back on our podcast. Yeah, go to Washington and give them hell. Thank you so very, very, very much for your valuable time and and, uh, wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, brothers, and I, and I appreciate being on the call, and uh, we'll keep giving them hell and uh, keep fighting for our members. Now, I did ask Brother Kelly for a debate, so make sure you get that out there. And I, I think we should debate, and I think me and him should stand side by side, mano and mano, and talk about the issues. Nothing petty, but talk about the issues and get it out there in front of our members so that we can debate during the convention. So That'll be popcorn-worthy. I'd be interested in, uh, in, in watching that. That's fantastic. I, was, I wasn't aware of that. Thank you for making our listeners aware. If he was smart, yeah, if he was smart, he'd debate you right on our AFFI podcast. Oh my God! Could you imagine the AFFI the, podcast? The reach that he would have, you guys would have, and uh, Malin, we're going to lie to everybody and tell everyone that this is going to happen. That we are now going to host the the <laughs> the debate. Hey, now, now you said you you said you're from you're Berwyn, right? Oh, the biggest little local in the nation. So there you go. Now, did you did you endorse Ed Kelly? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that we've come out with it yet. I, I can tell you okay. that I am personally endorsing Malin Mitchell. So whether that, uh, what that does to me, I don't know. 
Well, I was just thinking, like, because we need a moderator. I told I told Brother Kelly, I said, let's pick whoever the moderator is. And I said, we'll we'll pick a moderator and we'll we'll do it. So I, I would love maybe maybe you could be our moderator. If I if I moderate that. I, I just said it's going to go down as the greatest debate in the history of debates. I just want to just there's yeah. there's like not even a close second. My face would be sweating much like Richard Nixon's in the Nixon Kennedy debates. <laughs> if you remember, like, <laughs> oh my god, it would, it would be the greatest IFF debate ever because there's never been one. There's but, actually never been a contested GP election since 1988. Oh my! I, I did not know that. I was 11 years old in 1988, so I, I must have missed that yeah. one. But 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 wow! I, I was not aware that it's a great idea. I hope it happens. I do too. I do too. We'll see. I I told I told him the other day I'd debate him anytime, anywhere, any place. I'll even do it in Boston at Florian Hall. I'll debate him, and he can pick the moderator. Well, I know that the Berwyn and Cicero locals have a couple great places along 26th Street that that we would we would love to host. I think it's like a seating capacity of 15, 20 people, no problem. Cans of old style everywhere. Deep dish pizza. We'll have you anytime. I, I love I love Cicero and Berwyn. I love Nikki's too. I don't know if you guys remember Nikki's, but it was key rolls and uh, sausages. But anyway, you are uh, you're showing your your. You are Cook County street cred there, my friend. That is an old school, man. That is not something that people remember. That is absolutely fantastic. The only thing that would make you better is if you were a White Sox fan. Then I, I would, you would, I. I am a, you know, what's funny is I was there in 2005 when they won the World Series. Are you serious? We might have been in like a beer line together when that happened. No, I was in a bar smoked, but oh. I, I wasn't actually at the game. But I'm a, I'm a big White Sox. Carlton Fisk, man, Harold Baines, come on. Yeah, it's, 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 a, I mean, it's I mean, magical. Ozzy, Ozzy Gian, I was actually, uh, my dad had, um, real quick, I know you guys got to go, and I got to go, but my dad had a package um, that we, that didn't sound good. My dad had a season ticket, like a quarter package that we used to go, we, we, we used to go to. We used to go to about 23, 24 games at Old Comiskey Park. Um, and when Old Comiskey Park actually closed down, me and my younger brother, um, one day after a game, we we're driving by my dad, or not driving by, walking after the game. My dad, new commits. My dad says, hey, go grab a brick. I still have this brick. He says, go grab a brick from old Comiskey. So we went under this little, we're kids. We went under this little fence. Went and grabbed the brick. And uh, bringing it back to my dad, we grabbed three bricks, one for me and my brothers. And, and then we had like, uh, this is probably not good because it's stealing, but we had a hundred people that said, hey, I'll give you two bucks for a brick. Me and my little brother made 250 bucks a piece that day. And some more because we're grabbing bricks of people, running back and forth, giving bricks to people from old commission. You can say capitalism at its finest. You just took advantage of opportunity. But now you still have because I have one of the old bricks from from Sox Park. You still have an old brick, correct? Yeah, but we you probably have like a real sanctioned brick. We were actually just grabbing bricks that were from the fallout. <laughs> of the, I wasn't going these were the building across we the street. Yeah, yeah. You probably have a brick with a name on it, yeah. like really engraved. No, I have like literally just a brick. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just like a brick. You know, they had them painted white, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did. yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's what we were given. Yeah, that's what we were given. So, Are you going to take that to Washington D.C. with you to remind? Put that on your desk as a paperweight. Does this brick? Oh, I just want oh, yeah, I want the audience to know that I'm we didn't prep Malin for giving the absolute perfect answers to all of my questions before this. But I, I think the fact that you are a White Sox fan is the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake. So thank you very much for that. <laughs>
All right, brother. Very good. And, thank uh, you. Thank you to all your listeners, too. I appreciate it. Be safe and best of luck to you. Take care. All right. You guys stay safe out there. Mm-hmm.